0: show where if you are sick and tired of the same 87 to 200,000 true crime shows that you can literally hear anywhere and everywhere and you want something different, something from a real forensic practitioner's experience that has maybe actually touched a dead body. Oh yeah. Or maybe actually testified in court. Right, Shelly? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Then you are in the right place and I am Laura, your friendly resident CSI and field mouse.
1: Hey, everybody, and I'm Shelly. I'm your legal beagle and your resident court rat or court cat. Court
0: cat. Yep. You can be a cat or I'm rat a rat, whatever cat. you want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I yeah.
0: mean, you're not like a mafia rat. You're more like yeah. I'm a court cat. Yeah. I kind of like yeah. that. I think I yeah. like this for you. I think I like you I better like as like it. a sexy feline, like that, like lynxes around the courtroom.
1: I just like court cat because you know rat kind of almost maybe has a negative connotation. So I like it well, sounds
0: like you you could be a snitch. You don't yeah, want to Yeah, exact
1: that. S- snitch snitches get stitches.
0: Snitches get stitches. Yeah. But you know, we do kind of rely stitches. on
1: them sometimes. That's fine. We know how to hide bodies. We're we're all we're good. <laughs> hey, by the way, speaking of hiding bodies, yeah. speaking yeah. of
0: what I do involves
1: like evidence. <laughs> you, you, shh, don't tell. Okay. <laughs> don't tell. <laughs> but say Shelly, we're recording. Shh, please. Shh, don't tell. Don't tell, don't tell. So, I know, I know. what's our, what what do you want to
0: talk about today? So we're going to talk about evidence today. It applies to a lot of the different fields and uh, topics that float into forensics as a whole. We've referenced a lot of different evidentiary topics and concerns in other episodes, so I thought that it would be really good for us to tie it together. We have done. Overviews of the CSI effect from our courtroom episode. We've talked about chain of custody. We've talked about different things. So let's like, take a deeper dive, right? Because on social media, we've been getting a lot of questions about evidence and how we collect it and what's right and wrong. Yeah. How we, fi- yeah. And e- actually, I've had a couple of really cool, insightful questions about knowing what is evidence versus like how is that cigarette butt important, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, why is that one different than, like, the 1,700 other ones at the bar?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so before we get into that, how about, like, a real fun fact? So I'm not sure if you or our listeners know this, but in 1784, there was this torn piece of newspaper that was found in a man's pocket, and that was the very first case that involved a piece of physical evidence that actually convicted this Englishman of murder, And the way that it happened is, is this little torn piece of newspaper that was found in this guy's pocket actually matched the torn edge of the wad of a newspaper that was found in the pistol that was used to kill someone.
0: Wow. Why the hell was there a piece of newspaper and a pistol to kill someone?
1: You know, well, I mean, okay, so back in 1784, what did they have, right? They had, you know, you had to like shove the – I'm really, really lacking (laughs) right now, but – what did you have to shove in where? <laughs> you know, the, the the muzzles of the gun, you know, you had to like you had to you'd, uh-huh, you know, the gunpowder and stuff. So, oop, gunpowder and lead. Yes, gunpowder and lead. Yes, coffee and coffee and gunpowder and lead. So, yeah. So, you know, stuff happens and make sure you check your pockets, I guess. Well, it
0: sounds like maybe like, Do you think potentially that he could have been using the newspaper as like a makeshift uh, silencer?
1: Either that or you know, I would actually I would love for our listeners to tell us like some yeah. some gun
0: history. Who's not a
1: yeah. Some gun history buff that knows what happened back in 1784 when you had to like, you know, shove the something down the muzzle of the gun that made it go boom. Things that make you know, I don't Things know. Things that was, go boom. I was totally going to reference that song and then I just aged myself. So, never mind.
0: <laughs> you're so, so fine. I don't at all hear anything that specifically calls out your age, my friend. You are, you're still 21 years young to me. I mean, yes. it might be, maybe it's your 20th annual 21st birthday, but it's still <laughs> yeah. your 21st birthday. <laughs> That's there the way I count.
1: There we go. Yes. Yes. I like your counting. So, yeah. Um, yeah so, evidence. Mm -hmm. Tell me more. So before we get into the episode, there's something that I'm probably going to say a
0: lot of times. So I think like as far as continuity for like not me having to repeat this acronym 7,000 times, y'all, whenever you're on a crime scene or processing evidence back in the lab, Mm -hmm. you have to wear something called PPE. PPE. And Yes. And that stands for personal protective equipment. Yep. So this is very important for several reasons. The first one being your safety. One of the first things that I was taught on crime scene protocol is at the end of the day, you have to go home safe and healthy, right? So there are a lot of contaminants in the air. There's a lot of very dangerous things on crime scenes. Mm -hmm. And even though we all have that internal drive to solve the crime and, tell the story of what happened and honor the victim. And some of us push ourselves to the brink of health when it comes to exhaustion or hunger or fill in the blank. There are a lot of airborne pathogens. There's a lot of physical risk on crime scenes. So PPE on one aspect can protect the crime scene investigator themselves. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, Mm -hmm. for sure. And for then sure, on a, especially
1: with like our fentanyl craze that's going on right oh now. Oh my
0: God. I know. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Yes, absolutely. Fentanyl is a huge deal. It's it's been for like the past few years. On a legal aspect or a paying respect to our science and the victim and the suspect and the situation, PPE prevents cross-contamination or damaging of evidence. Okay. Yes. So PPE can be gloves. It can Mm -hmm. be booties that cover your shoes. It can Mm -hmm. also be a full-zip Tyvek suit. So what a Tyvek is is like a bunny suit. So it's white. It covers your arms, your legs. It kind of looks like a ski outfit. It even has a hood. It can cover goggles to protect your eyes. It can even, yeah, and before COVID, y'all, We used to wear N95 masks on some crime scenes. In fact, that was kind of one of the benefits of... uh The onset of COVID when all of... Remember when you couldn't even buy masks at the store? They were all gone.
1: Yeah, they were sold out everywhere.
0: Yeah, I had like a 200 pack in my van. I'm like, sucks to be y'all. I mean, not
1: (laughs) not to be insensitive. Was it next to your snack drawer?
0: It was... First of all, it was a lot bigger than a drawer. It was like a snack center console of a big whoopty van. It was oh. layers deep. <laughs> <laughs> I will have to Amazing. do some kind of like social media thing about like, guess what was in my snack drawer? Don't make it perverted. Y'all are gross.
1: Blech. Besides your nasty, blech. your meat sticks. Shelly doesn't blech. like my
0: beef jerky blech. and my turkey jerky because I called it a meat stick once as if she doesn't like repeatedly blech. eat meat sticks.
1: I don't. <laughs> I, That's nasty. So You're nasty.
0: Down. I'll <laughs> take it. I'll take it. Well, anyways, so there is the N95 masks, but there's also anti-putrefication mask. And that's a much more uh, protective mask that it has filters on it. And mm-hmm. essentially, you're not really breathing any element of the actual air. The mask is completely filtering as that oxygen is coming your way. I mean, I've seen PPE in varying extents all the way from simple wearing gloves on a burglary scene, all the way to, oh my God, there is literally blood and crap and God knows what everywhere. Let's do the full shebang. In fact, I think I've posted on social media, I have a few pictures from a decomp scene. And by the way, guys, I'm not a jerk. It's pictures taken after I put on my full gear outside of the crime scene, standing in front of my crime scene van. One of the detectives thought I looked hilarious. So there's a picture of me and you can't even tell who's inside of there. Yeah. Yeah. There's no body shape. The only context (laughs) is like my height. You can't see my eyes. You can't even see the fact that I'm like a white female.
1: (laughs) It's gone. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing. You can't see anything. It's it's a good photo.
0: Right. So just digressing back to a definition that we have reviewed in the past, you know, evidence is anything that proves or disproves an incident occurred, right? Correct. So evidence can be really anything and everything. It can be big. It can be small. Mm -hmm. As we went over when we discussed trace evidence, evidence can be microscopic. It can also be an entire wall. It can be an entire door. and A mattress. A mattress, exactly, Mm -hmm. Shelly. And in some cases, the entire house. Yes. Or multiple floors of a house. Or in the case of some... Extremely large violent crimes, several floors of a building.
1: Or several miles of a road, potentially.
0: Exactly. So, evidence mm-hmm. has, it's literally the definition anything and everything of every size. Yes. So, as I said, an evidence can either prove a crime has been committed or we can establish key elements of what happened in that crime scene. So Sometimes evidence isn't even something that you collect. And an example of that is I've had a scene before where there was a domestic dispute that resulted in the wife getting shot in the head. Okay, mm-hmm. so when I entered the scene, there was disturbed furniture. There was broken dishes and uh, glassware. There was a huge depression in the wall.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and. There was her. Okay. So I'm not going to collect the huge depression in the wall, but that depression tells me there was force, right? Correct. And the dent in the wall means there was rapid deceleration Mm -hmm. as the wall stopped somebody's, you know, movement. So that's what I mean, like where evidence really kind of spans all these things, because there's no point in me cutting out that wall to collect it. My photographs are sufficient, right? Correct. Now, if there's blood spatter on that wall or bullet defects, that's Mm -hmm. a completely different story, because there's all kinds of different things we can collect from that. But if you've ever seen the movie Gone Girl or read the book you know Mm -hmm. that that was a very staged crime scene, right? Like this very heavy table that couldn't be easily flipped was on its side. Like Yes, yeah. Right, so that's what I'm saying. Like it could also disprove somebody's story of events Mm -hmm. or their retelling.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Mm -hmm. And additionally, it can place the suspect in contact with the victim And the suspect in contact with the victim, or the scene. The victim in contact with the suspect, and the victim in contact with the scene. So I know I just said a lot of word salad. So (laughs) what I want everybody to do is picture the Venn diagram. Yes, no, 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 but close, close. So picture. Oh, oh,
1: yes, you're tight. Yes, the evidence
0: triangle. Okay, so the evidence triangle. Everybody picture a triangle. Yes. And at each of the three corners, you're going to have suspect, victim, and scene. And all three of those things are connected to each other, right? So that's the evidence triangle. And that kind of, again, readdresses the theory that we've discussed several times, the low card exchange theory. And that's basically mm-hmm. there is something that's going to connect those three elements in one way or the other. Correct. hmm So- Evidence can also help us establish somebody's identity. There are crimes that happen where there's a stabbing or a shooting or a a violent incident or an armed carjacking or a burglary or a robbery Mm -hmm. of some kind, which by the way, huge CSI pet peeve. Burglary, (laughs) y'all. You did if somebody broke into your house, you did not get robbed. You got burgled. Think of if somebody broke into your car or your house, or your business, think of the Hamburglar. Yes. Yes, the
1: Hamburglar. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) You're going to think of the Hamburglar. If somebody came up to you and removed something off of your body, you've been robbed. Yes. Okay. So think of Robin Hood, used to steal Mm -hmm. from the rich and give to the poor, off their body. Oh, I like it. Yes. So you got the Hamburglar and Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Oh, okay. All right. Double entendre. Double entendre. (laughs) (laughs) So we can collect samples from clothing, samples from hands, samples from underneath fingernails. We can collect that touch DNA that we referenced in our DNA episode. That's a great one, guys. Go back and review that if you want more information on touch DNA that can help us place that connection that I just referred to from the scene and the suspect to the victim or some combination of the other, right? Yes.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Cool. So also very important, evidence can exonerate the innocent.
1: Yes. Yes. The exact opposite. Absolutely.
0: And this is super, super important. I stand by the theory that it is way more important to f- determine somebody's innocence with evidence, than somebody that is guilty go free. Wait, am I saying that bad? Shelly, yeah. am I saying it wrong? Fix me. Yeah. Fix me. So, <laughs> so Please help. It's, it's better. For,
1: so it's better. <laughs> it's better for someone to find, for you to find evidence that would that would. I don't want to say prove because. Uh, CSIs it, are not in the business to find things that prove or disprove anything, right. but to find evidence that supports an innocence as opposed to supporting a conviction, even though convictions right. are definitely important, but it's it's better yeah. to, to have the evidence that would actually exonerate someone more so because okay. it's harder to find that evidence than it is to find evidence that potentially can prove someone guilty.
0: Right. Or basically, I would be more upset about an innocent person being in jail or prison than a suspect going free. Yeah.
1: Yeah. In- and, and that that might sound that might sound really harsh however if you think about it most uh, criminals do not just act once they normally act out multiple times and they only get caught that one time so if yeah. they don't get caught that you know this time because the evidence found someone innocent as opposed to linking, you know, the guilty person to the crime, they're going to do it again and therefore they're going to get caught again. And most likely they're going to get caught doing something even bigger because they're like, oh, this is, you know, this is small stuff. So since I got away with all the small stuff, let me do something a little bit bigger. And I'm not saying that, you know, like, oh, let's wait till they commit murder. I'm not talking about that at all. You know, definitely for respect for victims and such, you know, I'm definitely not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, something a little bit bigger, you know, instead of, Stealing, you know, a a cell phone or something out of a car, they're actually going to steal the car. Well,
0: I think, and also the way that I've always thought about it is if an innocent person gets convicted, now there has been two crimes instead of one. Because somebody is having to pay the price, and somebody also has been victimized that does not have proper justice. So, like, there's, like, all kinds of things that go wrong on several different planes. Yes. When this happens. so... I mean, I have a couple of personal interactions with people who spent over a decade in prison based on wrongful convictions, and it really is just awful. And the poor victim's family also has this disturbed feeling of having their sense of closure, even though they say there is no closure when you experience Mm -hmm. grief like that, if it was, God forbid, a homicide or a sexual assault or something of that nature. But now that's all getting uprooted again because we're having, like, this very uh, concrete physical evidence that we have had the wrong person. Just to squirrel back to something that is very, very frequently confused, Mm -hmm. jail. Is yes. when you are incarcerated for a year or less, prison is a year or more. So Correct. when we say you went to jail, it means like you got drunk and stumbled out into like a college frat house or sorority house and made a scene and then they kicked you out and then you were drunk and disorderly and peed somewhere in public. That's jail. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. Overnight stays and yeah. Right.
0: If you point a gun at somebody, you're probably going to
1: prison. Probably. Yes, or you're held in, yeah, or you can be held in jail until you're you go found to prison. Guilty. Yeah, and then you, yeah, exactly. Until yeah, you go you, to prison.
0: You could get a double-stuffed <laughs> Oreo and go to both. <laughs> yes. You could potentially spend time in both. Actually, a really funny memory that Jane just came across my head is I was in juvenile court one time for a burglary, and my favorite judge. This Mm -hmm. guy, I guess I won't call out his name in case he doesn't like want this, but he's sitting there on the bench and he's got his cigar and he doesn't light it in court, but he just chews on it and he's chewing on his cigar. And this kid comes across his docket that has committed several burglaries in a row. And we had Mm -hmm. a lot, lot of evidence and his mama is sitting there crying and the judge is like look at you making your mama cry. (laughs) (laughs) Look at you making your mama cry. And so
1: behind... Yeah, yeah. not to disrespect, but that's, you know, that's kind of funny that the judge said that.
0: (laughs) So he had not yet been convicted. He was having like a court... Shelly, what is it where they just have to make like an appearance, but they're not like... Like the, he had to make an appearance of some kind.
1: Okay. And, so like a criminal appearance?
0: Yeah, like an appearance. So behind mm-hmm. him were all of the kids that had a court date that had, they were already in jail. So yeah. They were so in he like was the like the his prelim. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. His okay. prelim. So the judge goes, do you think jail is fun? <laughs> do you think the food in jail is good? He goes, turn around and ask those fools how the food in jail is. Oh, my gosh. This, this judge sounds so- amazing. He was. <laughs> He's still my favorite. He's still my favorite. So the kid turns around because he had now been ordered by the judge. Uh-huh. And he goes, how's the, the food in jail? None of, <laughs> okay, none of these kids answer him. So the judge goes, it ain't good.
1: <laughs> bologna sandwiches are not good. Yeah. I don't know what so they we, serve where you're where you're at, but bologna sandwiches and yeah, Nargiles, yeah, yeah. no good.
0: So, anyways, sidebar to that little story because it's one of my favorite stories from that judge because he literally took the cigar and pointed at this kid. It ain't good. That food ain't good. <laughs> so, beyond exonerating the innocent, mm-hmm. evidence can also corroborate. Or support the victim, Mm -hmm. the suspect, or Mm -hmm. even the witness's testimony. Because newsflash, guys, there are times where your victim is a piece of shit and you totally get where your suspect is coming from. Suspects or the offender, or the suspected offender, hence why we call them suspects. Yeah, well, it's not (laughs) even just Dexter. But, like, there are times where you're like, yeah, I get that. Yeah. That victim kind of sucks. Yeah. So, <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, that, that's really harsh. But, you know, yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely. Well, you know, I'm, there's...
0: Try- I'm trying to pull a specific example. But there are, I guess I shouldn't say it because I don't want to be making any kind of morality judgments. But put it this way. Crime is not black and white. Crime is not, or the law does not equal morals. Put it that way. That's, I'll mm. leave it at that. The law does not always equal morals. It is the law. Mm-hmm. End of story. Mm-hmm. End of comment. I'll clarify if I have more wine. So, <laughs> <laughs> the law does not equal morals. So, that being said, I think I've mentioned in the past that sometimes people unintentionally lie to us because their perception on the event is based on a trauma recollection. So, a victim or even a suspect, because they're involved in a traumatic event, or a witness, because witnessing these violent things is a big deal, they could accidentally misreport something. Yes. And for example, we also have had a case of fraud where somebody claimed that an individual broke into their house, and when we first arrived, the way that the house was disheveled and, like, ransacked. It just didn't – I mean, I've been to, like, a million burglaries, okay?
1: <laughs> I yeah. know it's ex- – Where you literally take the drawer and they dump it on the floor? Like – Yeah. Did, did they really just dump your underwear drawer on the floor? That The, the – no. Yeah. Not so much. Yeah. Know? And if
0: they're going to steal your MacBook, they don't, like, go look for the charger.
1: Yeah. No. Or no. Or the
0: TV or the PlayStation. Like – Yeah.
1: They're, they're not, not looking for remotes. They're not they're not yeah, pulling up the couch seats to yeah, look for the remote.
0: Exactly, Shelly. <laughs> so there was just something about this scene that I was like.
1: It, it hit No. You
0: no. Yeah. Like, Ain't nobody is, got time for that. Yeah, this is weird. <laughs> like things were like cleanly removed and the even the mess was like gently like placed so that you know, like <laughs> they throw crap around, and stuff breaks.
1: Yeah, so that way they can can put it back in the drawer the way that it was. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it was like the most organized ransacking I've ever seen in my life. And burglaries Mm -hmm. typically happen in less than a minute and a half to two minutes. Wow, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they happen really, really fast. And a lot of times it's not one person. It's usually a group of people in my experience because that gives – I mean, they each take a room basically, grab and go. yeah. So it was a little bizarre, and it ended up being a complete fraud. It was for uh, an insurance claim. Yeah. Additionally, physical evidence, you know, I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but the distortion in that perception, I had a victim trying to describe her suspect, and he was, like, huge. Like, doorway-shaped huge. This guy- Hulk. when we found him, he was not that big. I mean, he was bigger than her, mm-hmm. but to her, he was a giant. Okay, you know, I can see that. Mm-hmm. So we were when she. So he had very distinct clothing on. What an idiot, right? Like if you're gonna, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what an idiot. If you're gonna go <laughs> rob somebody, <laughs> you probably shouldn't be wearing like an Ed Hardy t shirt in the two thousand like twenty era. Yeah. Like that yeah. guy died a few years ago, okay? like <laughs> nobody's wearing Ed Hardy anymore, yeah. so she was able to identify this long sleeved shirt that he was wearing, and so later, when he was seen, and there was a few other distinguishing pieces of information, and this guy was like five foot eight. oh,
1: I mean we like, mm.
0: yeah, but to me, that looks big. <laughs> I know your pocket size, but even you know, to you, like how tall is.
1: Yeah, the- I mean, five foot eight is not. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not huge, right? You know, like, you know, Mike.
0: It's not yeah. small, but it's not doorway shaped This isn't no, Chris it's Hemsworth. Really not.
1: Yeah, this I is mean, this not know,
0: Chris Hemsworth.
1: Yeah, yeah. Th- this, is, this is not Reacher.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So
0: basically, I mean, there are other circumstances where like evidence can prove or disprove testimony.
1: Well, and you're talking about testimony, testimony is also evidence.
0: Exactly. So maybe let's talk about like why physical evidence in a courtroom perspective might be more important than statements or testimonial evidence.
1: Oh, well, that's super simple. Number one, obviously, and, you know, we we keep harping on this, and I'm so sorry mm-hmm. to our listeners if it's, you know, if you're over it, but obviously the juries expect physical evidence because of the CSI effect. But evidence mm-hmm. is also, it's the heart of the case. I mean, it's, it's what, you know, if you're in a criminal case, it's what your juries are like, okay, show us the proof, show us the evidence, you know, the proof is in the pudding, right? So they're looking for that pudding. And with evidence, there's strict federal, state, and local rules that, you know, govern mm-hmm the type of evidence that can be admitted into a trial and the presentation of the evidence. It's also governed by these formal rules. But, you know, like I was saying, so the CSI effect, it's a lot of jurors think, you know, how can you have a crime without physical evidence, which for physical evidence in your courtroom setting, it's extremely important that you collect the – physical. well, first of all, that you discover the physical evidence and that you properly collect it and then you properly analyze it and that it's not contaminated in any way and that there's obviously proper documentation, you know, your chain of custody and such. So physical evidence is definitely important. And physical evidence is actually something that proves the testimony. So okay. physical evidence, you know, it doesn't have a bias, you know, and I say bias because, you know, we've talked about that, but also to every story, there's always three truths. So okay. there's, you know, the, the, let's use, you know, your suspect and victim. So your suspect, mm-hmm. that's one truth. Your victim, that's one truth. And then the actual truth is what exactly happened. And usually the evidence backs that actual truth, because not saying that the other two are lying, but just saying that the other two have their own biases based on, you know, their 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 lives growing up, what, you know, their influences and that sort of thing from their past and even from their present that have influenced their decisions or influenced and potentially even made them see something differently. And so therefore, there's always three truths to every story. So, you know, another thing is, you know, the, the credibility and accuracy of testimony. It's, you know, it's just like saying, you know, how do you prove murder without a body? Well, we can now, you know, for a long time, they, you know, they wouldn't charge murder without a body because that was physical evidence. So it kind of proves the story. It's, it's what, it's the pudding. So, you know, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, I know. Pudding. Pudding. Pudding sounds good. Chocolate. I don't want. Chocolate. No, cho- <laughs> ugh, no chocolate. No chocolate. No meat sticks. Whatever. I don't like ugh, I don't processed meat and chocolate. Choc- processed chocolate. Ugh. What are you ugh. talking about?
0: Processed meat and chocolate. What are you eating? I'm not eating anything. You're, You're right, talking no about more, chocolate. No more shitting on me for my meat sticks. All right. No <laughs> more.
1: Like, no. no more processed meat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm over You're it until Christmas. Meat.
0: <laughs> I was so wrong. Yeah.
1: So, okay. So I talked a little bit about, you know, like the the different things about, about evidence. So, you know, there's obviously tons of different ways to search for evidence, right?
0: Yeah. So on scene, we have a couple of different search methods. And I feel like I have gotten the question from my crime scene students repeatedly, well, what do you do? What's your standard? Like, what are the things that you do on a crime scene? Okay, well, sure, I can tell you that, but I really don't like putting crime scene investigation into a box. So when I talk about evidence search, when I say these things of search methods, I want to be very clear that these are guidelines, not rules.
1: Exactly. Okay. Because
0: Whenever you say something concrete, there's somebody that does it way, way better without any of that mess. And then there's somebody that literally needs it. Mm -hmm. So for people like that that need guidelines, there are structured outlines Mm -hmm. that can guide you through a crime scene and you'll be fine. But then there's more. So let's, like, digress a bit. So the first thing that you're going to look at on your scene is it indoors or, or is it outdoors? Okay, Correct. Because that makes a huge difference. And then what's the size of that scene? Because yes. as we referenced, just because something is indoors, I've processed a crime scene inside of a gymnasium. That was not small.
1: No. It was no, huge. Yeah.
0: Unfortunately, it was a stabbing inside of a re- like one of those gymnasiums that has like several basketball courts.
1: Oh boy.
0: And the stabbing caused a ruckus and then like fighting, and so it was difficult because there was blood spatter from mm-hmm. the fight that I could not differentiate between the stabbing's blood
1: mm-hmm. because
0: it was though the spatter patterns for those two things are different, you have to remember people are running around and Correct. stepping on the blood evidence. So Correct. the patterns that we would typically look for to tell us a story about, like, the difference between, like, an aspirated blood or, like, mm-hmm. a, you know...
1: Arterial vein spurt. Arte-
0: yeah. Think, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly, because this person did get cut in that manner, unfortunately. Oh,
1: okay. uh, Yeah,
0: right. So, or a cast-off, mm-hmm. you know, those... Indicators were missing because of the shoe impressions in the blood.
1: Okay. All right. So
0: for a scene that's what you consider to be a large indoor scene, you have a couple of options. Yes. All right. So depending on how many investigators you have with you, usually when you have something of that size, you like to have more than one, right?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So in an ideal world where you have help, you would probably do line or grid Or even like a spiral search.
1: I would do Quadrant. If I had help, I would definitely do Quadrant or Grid. So
0: personally, not as like everybody's best practice, but for me personally, Quadrant works for me in cars.
1: Yeah, Quadrant is definitely very good for vehicles, Mm -hmm. but I feel like Quadrant – you know, if you had mm-hmm. like a, a, a gymnasium, which was you know either square, rectangle, whatever it was, yeah, which is easily segmented, I mean, yeah, that's easily that's that's you can easily segment it, yeah. Then I would think that either grid or quadrant would be useful,
0: right? So academically, you could do spiral, but not with a team. That would be like more of an individual search Correct. or ray with more, a couple of different people. So yeah. for those, of, I'm sure everybody can figure out what I meant by spiral. For yes. ray, I want everybody to think of like a sun. Where you start a center and then, like, different people shooting off into different directions. All right? Yeah. So for this particular scene, I did choose grid because we had enough help
1: Mm
0: -hmm. to do that. Because if you don't have enough investigators, then you literally can only do a quadrant, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So
0: to my point and to my ramblings, indoor crime scenes in, like, a home what I do is I take the concept of grid and mm-hmm. I apply it to rooms in the
1: home. Okay. That makes sense.
0: Right. So if I'm alone, I will still document the scene sort of as grid. But instead of calling it like square this or this, we mm-hmm. would segment it then into like kitchen, living kitchen, room, Kitchen, living
1: bathroom. room, bedroom one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And in exactly. The,
0: well, Exactly. Well, you know what I did as my best practice, Shelley. Not like as a rule. Again, I just feel the need to keep clarifying that because I know CSI yeah. actually listen to our show. PS, we love you so much. Yes, I did directional terms, so I would be like southwest bedroom.
1: Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or unless, north you had, unless you sketched it or you had the diagram, then it would be north right. like Bedroom. Whatever you referenced it in your sketch, then you exactly.
0: Know, yeah. Because then my my compass and my sketch would correspond really well to how I referred to it in my report.
1: Real, like, side note on that. So I did, you know, I, I – So there was there was one case that it was, you know, I did the grid and I did, okay, the, the northwest uh, bedroom mm-hmm. and the southwest bedroom. But then mm-hmm. when you're doing your search and you're saying, I found this in the southwest corner of the northwest bedroom, then all those southwest, northwest, all those things, they get really confusing. And so it was really difficult. So that's where I, I – Just decided, okay. I'm just going to stick to you know bedroom one, bedroom two, and I'm going to have my diagram that in my sketch that identified the rooms.
0: Well, like I said, no judgment.
1: Best practice on anything like
0: that. Like, yeah, I think like if you're like now that you're drawing a memory, I think that I would do something like dresser along north wall in northwest bedroom. So like, and if you have more than one investigator, and like maybe I am only in the northwest bedroom, so all the LZ swabs would be specified to that bedroom. So whenever I did things that way, I personally found it easier to then generate my my report. And I Mm -hmm. also found it easier to refer to when I testified later.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, for the the CSIs that listen to us, for sure, you know, whatever, whatever your practice is and, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever. I mean, if you feel the need to change it up, then you know by all means definitely change it up because you know you, you never stop learning but you know if you're sticking to something and you're good with something and that's what you've always done then in, you know don't don't fix it if it ain't broke
0: absolutely i totally agree and i want to keep reemphasizing that over and over again outside i feel like i keep saying this i'm a broken record depending on the size the environment the conditions mm-hmm. of your search. I did like line for yeah. outside and okay. occasionally grid in, if you had things like all over the place. But I really like line. It allows – just for, for those of you who may be confused about line, literally picture
1: – When they're looking for, uh, for missing persons, right? They have a group of yeah, people that it's go similar. out. similar.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, like, I think people can kind of relate to that.
0: So I want you guys to think about a bowling alley when we talk about line search. Like, think about how everybody has a lane and then you stay or a swimming lane, any Mm -hmm. lane. Okay. Yeah, And everybody stays in their lane. And the cool thing about line search is you can get kind of not nose blind, but like you can get kind of eye blind to like the same exact environment that you have searched over and over again in your lane. So -hmm. what they'll do is bump everybody down one. And now you've got a new lane. And so now we're validating each other.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And so especially, all right, I have found this particularly useful for projectiles. Yes. Now, like this has been really, because projectiles, you guys, are the element of a bullet that hurts you. <laughs> so it's, n- <laughs> so it's uh, not mushroom. the casing. It's not the casing. It's the thing that actually gets discharged from the firearm, flies through the air, and hits an intended target. What mm-hmm. comes out of the gun, or not if it's a revolver, is the casing that held... The primer, the powder, and th- or so those explosive elements that cause the projectile to take flight. So yes. finding both casings and projectiles are not simple Projectile things.
1: means it was a through and through.
0: Right. It, it, I mean, well, sometimes it gets stuck. I well, mean, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I've literally, oh, my God, my first, Shelly, my first officer involved shooting. hmm The... Officers were standing at, like, imagine a clock and the suspect is in the middle. Uh The officers were standing at, like, 6 o'clock and, like, 2 o'clock. So when he took out his knife and started to run at one of them, Uh when they both fired at him, it created crossfire. And one of the officer's bullets went into a palm tree that was no less than like 60 feet tall. And the projectile entered the palm tree at about four feet from the ground.
1: Oh, okay. Okay?
0: Yeah, I Deep can- Deep yep. into this palm tree. Yep. Okay. So mm-hmm. for those of you who maybe have a question mark about how we handle officer-involved shootings, it is a ridiculously huge deal re- all right, at least for my agency and in my experience, yes. okay? Let mm-hmm. me just, whatever. Yeah. It is a big deal, okay? Yes. So we literally had to cut down like that palm tree. And a palm tree <laughs> of that size, it is a huge hazard to do this. Because yeah. if you think about something that big coming down, literally in every direction was like a civilian's car or a yeah. building or something, or like a bus stop. So it was... A nightmare to get this projectile out of this tree.
1: There's a myth out there that I think that everyone thinks that, you know, yeah. officers, deputies, whatever you want to call them, they're all like, you know, gun happy and they like yeah. to shoot them up. And, you know, no, this isn't the wild, wild west. And a lot of times officers yeah. have never discharged their weapons. So the
0: boy hasn't. It, I'm well, sorry. I'm sorry, go. guys. My husband has not. <laughs> so <laughs> the boy. Yeah, and,
1: yeah, yeah. So like that's, you know, that's exactly. So like with us, that's you know, officer all shootings are definitely some – they're huge as well because it's not something that happens every single day. Yeah.
0: The point I'm trying to make is that in my experience, we have taken these situations extremely seriously to the point of cutting down <laughs>
1: – A palm tree. <laughs>
0: taking significant – okay, so significant effort to collect this projectile because it was evidence in this case. That scene was huge. We definitely – Used line there because there was so much crossfire and projectiles. So my favorite thing with the crime scene search is that you have the rules until you're just like, fuck it, I'm here by myself. Okay, when you are by yourself on a crime scene, guys, as long <laughs> as you are as methodical, you t- get her done. Well. I mean, because like I have said in the past, I've worked for two different jurisdictions. One of them, we had a lot more crime scene investigators. We had a lot better equipment, and we had a lot more help. The other one, that was not the case. So I have worked many homicides completely by myself, which if you ask literally any CSI, that's not best.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, You should
0: always have help, but sometimes that's just not In the cards, right? Like for a myriad of reasons. Exactly. So if you're by yourself, as long as you are methodical and you are thorough, Mm
1: -hmm. then
0: the way that you need to get it done is how you get it done.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And then once you get it done, Mm -hmm. then you move on to…
0: Get her done?
1: (laughs) Evidence packaging.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So… Evidence packaging is actually a really huge deal. Now, when we collect latent fingerprints with fingerprint powder on scene, which is Mm -hmm. black powder for most of us, not all because some people prefer other latent processing methods, Mm -hmm. you will typically take your fingerprint powder brush and depending on whether you're a swirler Mm-hmm. Or a flicker up and down, side to side. Mm-hmm. You will deposit the powder on the print.
1: Mm-hmm. Put the
0: latent tape over the print.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Some people prefer opaque. Some <laughs> people prefer clear. <laughs> 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 and you will put that tape on a latent processing card, which basically looks like a three by five note card that you would have taken notes in, in on in school. Unless we're mm-hmm. literally that old and those don't exist anymore,
1: which uh, we I could think be. They do. Yeah, uh, who knows? (laughs)
0: Thank God. But one side of that latent card will be glossy. Yes. And you will have information to fill out on the back. And much to the chagrin of a lot of CSIs, in my experience, you are expected to compose a little drawing of the latent location (laughs) that you have recovered it from. And unless you are a nerd like me who loves art, you hate Not me. this. I love it. I, I love drawing the little picture. I,
1: I can't even draw a stick figure appropriately. I am I am so horrible. My stick figures have like <laughs> different size legs and arms don't match, and I don't even know. It's awful. Their head is fourteen times the size of their <laughs> little body. It's horrible. That's like my nightmare.
0: You're hilarious. <laughs> I'm no good. I at like that. literally just pictured that whole drawing in my head.
1: Oh, that's because it's actually happened. But you were talking about this, this fingerprint brush. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And maybe it's not the appropriate time.
0: But Tell me. maybe
1: we should address some cover art.
0: Okay, so y'all, our podcast cover art, which we love so it's much. It's
1: beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for spending all your Thank time you. doing it. Thank you. Thank you, guys you Ryan amazing.
0: Smallman. We love you. <laughs> However… We as CSIs and forensic practitioners want to clearly state we are aware that the bloody hammer Yes. in her hands is improperly packaged. <laughs> her her hands, finger quotes, her, okay. hands. her hands. Okay. By her, I mean, the one that's holding the bloody evidence is very clearly meant to be me. And the other one holding the fingerprint brush is very clearly meant to be Shelly. So if, if you've ever seen us on social media, it's very obvious who is who in our cover art. So first of all, the hammer- It looks good. It, well, it, it's amazing. I love our art. The hammer is wet and it's mm-hmm. in plastic. Oh mm-hmm. my God, no.
1: Oh That's my God, a no. no. That's never. an hour. That's an no Never, for me, never, dog. never,
0: never. So <laughs> just, I'm going to go ahead and just talk about wet evidence. First of all, wet evidence, I know that you guys might think if you're not a CSI or a forensic person, well, of course I'm going to put it in plastic. I don't want it to leak, which if you look at our cover art- the plastic is still leaking.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Which, by the way, I have already gotten ads from my CSI friends like, bitch, clean up your evidence. Like, what are you doing? Okay. Right. You don't ever want your evidence to leak. This is very true. Okay? So yes. that being said, you can double bag. You would always package your wet evidence in paper mm-hmm. because a sealed plastic bag creates a feeding ground for bacteria and mold yes. and cross-contamination yes. Yes. and all kinds of problems. So wet evidence, regardless of what you think, gets packaged in paper. And sometimes, I know we used to have like these bins that yeah. we would place those bags in. And if something was really bloody, I mean, they would just go in the Like it, it, the poor yeah. bins. We would just yeah. dispose of the bin later. So... After wet evidence is packaged in paper and transported back to the crime scene unit or the forensic unit, it's expected that you have a place for this evidence to dry. Now, -hmm. depending on the capability of your unit, it'll either be a huge drying cabinet Mm
1: -hmm.
0: or sometimes people just have a room where they dry things. Yeah, Pref- they just lay it out on the
1: counters with butchered paper and, yeah, yes. the, the entire room just dries, yeah.
0: Yes. And I want to get into like, – thank you for saying that because I want to. I want to double click into what you just said in a second. So best practice and best use of evidence is that the evidence goes in a blood-drying cabinet, okay? Mm-hmm. So some people are lucky enough to have a cabinet that has sections so that you can properly isolate suspect and victim's clothing – Some people have to put the wetter, grosser evidence in the cabinet first and then swap it out. Because as long Mm -hmm. as it's in that paper, we're doing well. So what do we do, Shelley, if we have evidence that can't go immediately into the cabinet?
1: Oh, you know what? That's actually a really good question. And on that note, I think that maybe this is a great place for us to leave off this week.
0: Oh, okay. Ooh, cliffhanger. I like it. I like it. Okay. So to get the answer to the evidence in the blood drying cabinet question. You'll have to check us out next week for part two.
1: And if you want to send us another question that maybe we could answer, send us an email. Hello at CrimeSceneQueens.com.
0: Or you can always find us on social media. We're at crime scene Queens on everything.
1: And remember, if you're going to die, do your local CSI a favor and keep it interesting. Bye. Thanks,
0: guys. Till next time. Crime Scene Queens is a Q Code Media production, executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson, produced by Ryan House. edited by Nate DeFort, and theme song and music by Darren Johnson.